Shades Mountain, it is so good to be with you this morning. I am truly grateful to be able to open the Word of God with you this morning. And as we get started, I want to ask you a simple question. Have you ever experienced bad leadership? And now, without even knowing every single person in this room and and your intricate stories, I know with 100% certainty that if you understand the concept of leadership, you have experienced bad leadership at some point. And when we experience bad leadership, we suffer. And what we're gonna see from our text today is that God in his care and in his kindness does not put up with bad leadership. Now, if you've been with us for the past couple weeks, you know that we've been working through the book of Malachi. The first week, Pastor George preached on God's sovereign love and how God, in his choosing his people, shows his sovereign love for them and how we could never do anything to earn or deserve that. And then last week, Pastor George preached through verses 6 through 14, and we saw the half-hearted worship of the people of Israel. That's God's chosen people and how he then calls them back to true sacrificial worship of the one who is great among the nations. In last week's text, we saw God was speaking to the people at large, but he was also speaking specifically to the religious leaders of the day. They were the priests and he was showing them that they had not held up their end of the bargain. The people's half-hearted worship was, yes, in part due to their own wickedness, but the priests were letting them get away with it. And the priests weren't doing anything to help call them back to it. And so they were bringing these lame sacrifices to God. Well, in this week's text, Malachi 2, 1 through 9, God is going to confront the priests for not keeping their promise to teach the people the word of God and how to give God the glory that he is due. And so if you would, turn with me to Malachi chapter 2. This morning, I'm just going to read verses 1 and 2 to kind of get us started. And if you would also stand with me as we do here at Shades, we stand every single week at the reading of God's word because we want to be reminded that the word of God is the only unshakable foundation upon which the people of God can stand. So let me read for us this morning. It says, and now, O priests, this command is for you. If you will not listen, if you will not take it heart to give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send the curse upon you and I will curse your blessings. Indeed, I have already cursed them because you do not lay it to heart. You guys can have a seat. I appreciate you standing with me. We see from our text this morning that God loves his people and he cares deeply for them. And because of that, he doesn't take lightly the call to lead his people. Now, Pastor George has said it throughout this series that the book of Malachi has some pretty tough words. It's got some pretty harsh rebuke. As we read through this book, pretty much all of it is like some form of admonishment. And so we have to be careful not to see the anger of God and not also hold it in tension with his love. And when we do that, We can do as Pastor George has called us to do. We can receive this as correction from a loving 
father. And at the time that Malachi was speaking on behalf of God to the people of Israel, that's exactly what they needed was loving correction. And now before we move on, I want to address something. Anytime we're hearing a message or we're listening to a sermon or maybe during our quiet time with God, they can fall into two categories, painkillers or vitamins. And painkillers are those messages or those quiet times where it just feels like God is speaking directly into a current struggle that you have right in that moment. And it offers immediate relief. Or maybe you have clear application for what you're supposed to go and do. Now, as preachers, we love to preach painkillers. We love to speak directly into your life and, and preach a message that is so directly applicable to your life right in the minute. But here's the thing. No healthy person can live purely based off of painkillers. And that's where vitamins come in. Vitamins are something that you take in regularly to make sure that you build up the nutrients you need to live a healthy life. Sometimes you come to church and the message is just like a painkiller. It just like hits a nerve and you're like, wow, I felt that. But then sometimes you come and it's more like a vitamin. You may not immediately feel its effects, but if you regularly take in these nutrients, then you are going to be built up in such a way that you can face whatever life throws at you. And now, why am I telling you all this? Well, here at Shades, we preach expositionally. And what is expositional preaching? It's where you let the text drive the message. It's not preaching from your own good ideas. It's letting the word of God dictate the message that is preached to God's people. It's exposing what the word says and then helping apply it to our everyday lives. And the benefit of expositional preaching is that it forces the preacher to preach the whole counsel of God and not just the parts that we like. So instead of trying to guess, you know, is this going to be a painkiller or or is this going to be a vitamin for our people? We are just going to preach the word of God here at Shades. And so I say all that to say, today's message may feel a little bit more like a vitamin for you. Why? Because in this passage, God is confronting specifically the religious leaders of the day. He's confronting the ministry leadership of the day, and that's the priests. And you may be saying, well, well I'm not a ministry leader, so, so I don't know that this really will apply to me. And that's not true because it might just feel more like a vitamin. Because what you're going to see in this text is you're going to see God's heart for his people and how seriously he takes the call to ministry leadership. Another reason that I wanted to walk through what expositional preaching is, is because we're going to see from our text today, one of the things that the priests in Malachi's day weren't doing was teaching people the word of God. And therefore, everyone over time became so spiritually unhealthy that God had to offer this harsh rebuke and put it into their reality. So you're Maybe here saying, man, this minor prophet these past couple of weeks has kind of been tough to swallow. It's kind of, be, kind of been tough to hear. Well, consider these your spiritual vitamins. And I'm gonna do everything I can to make them taste like the little Flintstones chewables. We like those. Yep, everyone in here, I got little kids. I kind of wanna take them sometimes. Or, you know, maybe I'll make them taste like the gummies, but your pastors and your ministry leaders here, they want to, to have you built up on the whole council 
of God's word. And so sometimes we got to take our vitamins. We got to take our vitamins. And so taking that and taking what we've said about the priests of Malachi's day, not teaching the word of God to the people, we come to what I consider to be the main idea of this message. And we've already said it, but I want to state it very explicitly. And it's this, because God cares deeply for his people, he takes seriously who's called to lead them. Let me say that again. Because God cares deeply for his people, he takes seriously who's called to lead them. What you need to know is that God cares about his people and he loves his people way too much to let them suffer too long under poor ministry leadership like the priests of Malachi's day were showing. And I can tell you as a ministry leader that a text like this is very sobering Because when I read a text like this, I'm reminded that I am shepherding and stewarding the people of the great king that we learned about last week, whose name will be feared among the nations. And church, I just want you to know that you have a pastor in Pastor George, and you have ministry leaders here at Shades who keep these kinds of texts in mind as we love you and care for you and shepherd you. So how do we unpack this text. Well, some of you in here are hiring managers. You're regularly bringing people onto your team. And, and pretty much everybody in here has at least maybe applied for a job. And, and when you're hiring somebody, a lot of times what you do is you'll write down these attributes of what you call an ideal candidate. Now, Lord willing, if you are hiring for some position at work, you're just getting tons of applications from ideal candidates candidates, but if you've been in the game for a while, you know that it's not always the case. A lot of times what you get are applications from what we like to call the unqualified candidates. And so from our text today, we're going to see a picture of some unqualified candidates for ministry leadership, but we're also going to see a picture of God's ideal candidate for the leadership of his people. And so before we look at the ideal, we're going to start with the unqualified candidate. Malachi starts chapter two off saying, and now, O priests, this command is for you. In chapter one, verses six through 14, Malachi is citing all of the wrongdoing in the priests in regard to their service in the temple. And then in two, one through nine, he's going to be calling them to repent and warn them of a curse if they don't repent. See, the priests at the time had been neglecting their duty of offering right sacrifices and teaching the people of God, God's word. And like we've said, God cares way too much about them and the people they're leading to not offer this harsh rebuke. And so what were they not Doing Well, verse two says, if you will not listen, if you will not take it to heart to give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send the curse upon you and I will curse your blessings. Indeed, I have already cursed them because you do not lay it to heart. See, the first thing is they just weren't listening to God. It's gonna be tough to lead the people of God if you can't even listen to God. See, We're always serving as an extension of the leader who put us in charge. 
God put them in charge, which he does with all leadership, but they were not listening to him. Even though they were supposed to serve as an extension of his leadership, they were unwilling to listen to the one whom they were called to serve. Now, what's the next thing they weren't doing? Well, Malachi says they weren't taking it to heart to honor God's name. If we go back to chapter one, verse six, it says, O priests who despise my name. It wasn't even just a lack of honor. They were actually despising the name of God. And how were they despising him? By not doing what he had asked them to do. Again, everyone in here either has a boss or, or somebody you kind of have to report up to, could be a person, could be a parent, could be a board. And if you're just constantly doing the opposite of what they ask you to do, you should either find a new leader or maybe just start listening to them and respecting them and doing what they've asked you to do. Now, we as humans, are in, we, are, we are very fallible. And so we might just be leading poorly, but God is infallible. He never fails. He never makes an error. And so the priests can't leave God because he's somehow incompetent. He's perfect. And so what do they need to do? They need to start giving him the honor and the glory that is due his name. So we're going to come back to the second part of verse 2, the curse, and, and then we're going to look at verse 3 here in a second. But what's the third thing that the priests weren't doing? Well, in verse 8, it shows us, and it says, but you have turned aside from the way. You have caused many to stumble by your instruction. God is telling the priests, your teaching, or actually lack thereof, is actually leading people into sin rather than leading them out of sin. He's telling them they've actually caused people to fall down rather than to walk in a manner that is worthy of the calling. And so those are three things that disqualify someone from ministry leadership. They don't listen, they don't give God the glory that he's due, and their teaching, or lack thereof, leads people into sin rather than leading them out of sin. Why is this a problem? Because it hurts the people of God, and God will not stand for that. And here's the connection for everyone in the room. Not many of us will be pastors, but every single person in this room will be called to leadership at some point in their life and in some way in their life. We have fathers in here, we have mothers in here, we have teachers, we have coaches, we have bosses, we have people who will be these things one day, and we have to remember that whatever context we're leading in, we are serving as an extension of God who put us in that place. So whether we're leading Christians or non-Christians, we can either be a good illustration or a bad illustration of what God leads like. Now let's be very clear though. We are not God, but the way that we lead helps color for people what God is like. I remember one day I was at a gas station and I saw this guy and, and he wasn't homeless, but it was, it was very clear that he was down and out. It was very clear that life had been rough for him. And I just thought, man, I need to go talk 
to this guy. And so I go and I start a conversation with him and and we're talking and I kind of bridge to sharing the gospel with him. And I get to this idea of God being a good father who loves his children. And I can tell pretty quickly that is not clicking with him. That is not working for him. And so I asked the question, I said, man, is the idea of a father loving you something hard for you to believe? And the floodgates opened. And this man starts weeping. And he says right there in the gas station, based off how my dad treated me, I don't believe a father could love anyone. And I was speechless. This man felt unlovable because of how his earthly father had treated him. And some of you in the room, you might know exactly how this man felt. And so no, no, we are not God by any means. But the way that we lead will help color for people what God is like. If I'm a bad father, I create an obstacle for my children to believe that God is a good father. Now that can be overcome, but why would I make it more difficult than it has to be? If I'm a bad boss, I make it more difficult for my employees to believe that God is a good king who wants to serve his people and see their flourishing. If I'm a bad pastor, I make it more difficult for you, the people of God, to believe that God is a good shepherd who lays down his life for the flock. Bad leadership has consequences. God knows this, and that's why he's telling the priests to do their job. Being a leader is awesome. And I consider it one of the greatest privileges of my life to to lead God's people. But Paul David Tripp hits the nail on the head with one of the titles to his book. He calls it a dangerous calling. A dangerous calling, why? Because we are leading the king's people. And when you're leading the king's people, all kinds of things will sneak in and creep in and try to draw you away from being a good leader. So what does God say to the priest that he'll do if they don't turn it around? Let's go back to the last part of verse two. It says, I will send the curse upon you and I will curse your blessings. Indeed, I have already cursed them because you do not lay it to heart. Verse three, behold, I will rebuke your offspring and spread dung on your faces, the dung of your offerings and you shall be taken away with it. Skip down to verse nine. Inasmuch as I make you despised and abased before all the people inasmuch as you do not keep my ways but show partiality in your instruction. If you don't feel the gravity of this warning then I'm just not sure we're looking at the same text here. The wrong way to see this is that God is some angry person, that he's simply an angry person. The way that we should see this is to see his righteous indignation, and as we said earlier, hold it in tension with his love and see that God cares way too deeply for his people to put up with bad leadership. Remember, because God cares deeply for his people, he takes seriously who's called to lead them. So if the unqualified candidate is someone who doesn't listen to God, 
who doesn't give God the glories that he's due and teaches people in to sin, then what does the ideal candidate look like? Well, in verses four through seven, God is reminding the priests of their original calling. Verse four says, so shall you know that I have sent this command to you that my covenant with Levi may stand, says the Lord of hosts. Well, who is Levi? Levi is the son of Jacob. And Jacob is one of the patriarchs of the people of Israel. But this text isn't speaking specifically about Levi. It's talking about the people that came from Levi, specifically the Levites, and and even more specifically, it's talking about a group of qualified men called the Levitical priesthood. And the Levitical priesthood started with Moses' brother Aaron. And then Aaron's descendants became the one who served as priests in Israel. They were kind of the go-between guy between man and God. We call that a mediator. And their job, like we talked about last week, was to help the people offer sacrifices according to the Mosaic law. They had, also, they had other roles as well. They were caretakers, they were judges, and then we've learned today they were to teach the people the, the word of God. And, and, and so being a priest held some really unique privileges. It held some unique responsibilities among the people of God. And because of that, God took the role of priest very seriously. And he held them to a high moral and ritual standard. And so the covenant that God had with Levi, it wasn't as explicitly stated as some of the covenants in the Bible, but it was this very clear understanding of how God was gonna bless the people and the priests if they did what they were supposed to do. And so Malachi goes on to explain this a little more in verses five through seven. God says, starting in verse five, my covenant with him, that's the Levitical priests, not the singular him, was one of life and peace. And I gave them to him. It was a covenant of fear and he feared me. He stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth and no wrong was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness and turned many from iniquity. For the lips of a priest should guard knowledge and people should seek instruction from his mouth for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. This was the ideal candidate. And so what do we then see about this ideal candidate? The first is in the latter part of verse five. He stood in awe of my name. The ideal candidate to lead God's people is somebody who stands in awe and reverence of the name of the Lord of hosts. The ideal candidate is not like the unqualified, who despise the name of God. The ideal candidate is not like the unqualified who are maybe even just neutral towards the name of God. The Lord's ideal candidate is one who stands in awe and worship of the name of God. So that's the first thing. Second thing, verse six, true instruction was in his mouth and no wrong was found on his lips. The ideal candidate is someone who is committed to the truth of God's word. They teach it, they speak it, they live it, they love it, they're committed to it, 
in every way. The third thing we see is from the last part of verse six. He walked with me in peace and uprightness, and he turned many from iniquity. Again, this isn't just somebody who gets up here and talks the talk. They walk the walk. It can be easy for us to get up here and say, this is how you should live, and and this is what you should believe. But if we get off the stage, or if you leave that conversation, and then you go do none of the things that you've told that person, pretty quickly, everyone's going to say, this is a sham. I can't remember who said it, but I, I remember from seminary, somebody said, the greatest sermon we'll ever preach is how we live our life. The greatest sermon we'll ever preach is how we live our life. And now we have to use words. We have to proclaim the gospel. But if what we say doesn't even remotely align with what we do, then no one will believe what we're telling them. James Cousins and Barry Posner wrote an incredible book on leadership. It's not explicitly a Christian leadership book, but it's great. It's called The Leadership Challenge. And they say that the first law of leadership is this. If you don't believe in the messenger, you won't believe the message. Let me say that again. If you don't believe in the messenger, you won't believe the message. The message is vital particularly in Christianity. If, if people don't have the message, then they don't have hope. But if this is true, which I believe it is, and I'm assuming that you would believe it is as well, then we can talk as much as we wanna talk, but then we have to have the character to back it up. And that's exactly what God is saying to the priests. We then come to the fourth and final thing that we see from this passage about the ideal candidate. We see it in verse seven. It says, for the lips of a priest should guard knowledge and people should seek instruction from his mouth for he is a messenger of the Lord of hosts. When a pastor stands up to preach, he is speaking on behalf of God. As a parent, if you're disciplining your child, you are disciplining them on behalf of God. As a boss, if you are bringing order to the world around you, you are doing it on behalf of God. And so it's a problem if we get up here and say, thus saith the Lord, when in fact the Lord did not saith. If we misrepresent God, that's not on God, that's on us. But the implications of misrepresenting God may cause damnable effects for the people around us. And as we see from this text, it may cause damnable effects for us as well. And I know that may seem harsh, and I know that may seem a little bit over the top, but I know there are a lot of people, some of who might be sitting in the room today, who do not believe that God is good because of a leader in their life who failed to guard the knowledge of who God is. That person came into their life and said, I'm a messenger from God, but but they did not bring God's message. The ideal candidate, however, guards the knowledge and instruction of the Lord. So these are four true things about God's ideal candidate we just went over there in awe of God's glory. 
They're committed to the truth of God's word. They have godly character and they guard the knowledge of who God is. And when the ideal candidate does these things, the text is clear. They and the people they're leading will have life and peace. Now, I don't know about you guys, but it's my assumption that everyone in here would like some life and peace. And here's the awesome thing. God wants that for you. He wants that for you, church. He wants it for you more than you could ever ask or imagine. He wants you to have life and peace beyond your wildest dreams because God cares deeply for his people. And because he cares deeply for his people, he takes seriously who's called them to leadership. So as we finish up this morning, I'm sure all of us are thinking, Man, it'd be awesome if all leaders were like that. It'd be awesome if, you know, the, the leader in front of me or, or my boss or my parents, man, it'd be awesome if they were like that. If they just wanted life and peace for me, man, that would be awesome. Then some of you in here might be leaders and you may be hearing this and maybe you're not feeling as awesome. Maybe you're feeling a little bit defeated. Can I be honest with you? There's a lot of times that I walk out of my kid's room and I go talk to my wife, Maggie, and I'm like, what are we supposed to do? I don't know what to do with them. I just feel like whatever I did in there, I don't know if it was good or bad, I don't know what to do with them and I'm defeated as a parent. There's also a lot of times I'll walk out of a meeting that I've been leading and I'll think, I think I just confused everybody in that meeting more than if they just wouldn't have come. I led a terrible meeting. There's a lot of times that I'll come off the stage and I'll think, Ben, that was pitiful preaching. I can't believe you just made people sit there and listen to you run your mouth. And that's the irony of ministry leadership is we are called to do what we ourselves cannot do. And I know a lot of times as a person in the congregation, that can seem really frustrating. But I want you to know that from our side, it's really hard on us too. And I know you as parents feel the same way. You're asking your children to do things that you're not even that great at. And I know as a boss, you're asking people that you have worked for you to do things that you're not even that great at. But here's the thing, we've talked about the unqualified and the ideal candidate in leadership. And the reality is none of us are the ideal candidate. None of us. The only hope that we have to lead well in this life is to call people to someone else someone who did what we could never do. And his name is Jesus. Someone who lived a life that we could not live and died a death that we deserved and now who has been raised up and if we are in him, then we can actually lead like God created us to lead. See, God knew when he was talking to the priests in Malachi's day, they could never do 
what they were supposed to do in perfection. Hebrews 7, 11 says, now if perfection had been attainable through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need would there have been for another priest to arise after the order of Melchizedek rather than one after the order of Aaron? If we could be perfect, Jesus wouldn't have to have come. But church, we can't be perfect and Jesus did come, and because of that, we cling to Hebrews 4, 15 through 16, that says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us with, with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Church, when you feel like you can't lead, remember that God cares way too deeply for you you. And so he sent somebody who did it for you. And his name is Jesus. God's ideal candidate is in awe of God's glory. Jesus is God's glory. God's ideal candidate is someone committed to the truth of God's word. Jesus is the word of God. God's ideal candidate has godly character. Jesus is the great I am. God's ideal candidate guards the knowledge of who God is. Jesus is God. And in Jesus, we have life and we have peace. And it's like we said earlier, when we are in Christ, we can actually lead like God has designed us to lead. And that's for his honor and his glory and his fame to be made known throughout the whole world. That's the God that we serve. And that's the leader that we have in Jesus. And here's the thing. The priests from Malachi's day, they were the go-between. But in our day, we have access to God through our high priest, Jesus. And so we don't have to have somebody to go between us and God. We have Jesus. So maybe you're here today and and you've never placed your faith in, I, in God's ideal candidate. Maybe you've seen poor church leadership. Maybe you have poor leadership in your family. So you're like, I wanna be as far away from that as I can possibly be. I wanna ask you today, what do you see when you see Jesus? What do you see when you see Jesus? Because he is the one who has done for us that no one else could do for us. He lived, died, and was resurrected. And now in him, we can have life and peace. It is only in Jesus. It is only in Christ alone. And maybe you're a believer and you're tired. Maybe you're like, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a believer and, and I'm leading in this place and I just feel like I'm a bad leader. You have Jesus. And now you can listen to some leadership books. You can, you know, go to a conference. You can read some magazines, but everyone knows where that's gonna lead if Christ isn't at the center. You're gonna end up burned out and the people around you are gonna suffer because the only hope that you have and the only hope that I have and the only hope that the people that we are leading have is if we point them to the one who has done for us which we could not do for ourselves, church. Because 
God cares deeply for you. He takes seriously who's called to lead his people. And because of that, he came and he did for us what we could not do for ourselves. And so it is only in Christ that we have hope, in Christ alone. Let me pray for us and then we're gonna respond in worship. Father God, thank you. God, for, the, for today to be able to gather and to hear from your word. God, we are so often reminded that we fall short. We are so often reminded that we do not live up to the standard. But God, when we open your word and we see who Jesus is, God, we are reminded that you made a way for us to be made right with you. And God, I know there are people in here today who are struggling to believe that is true because of the, some of the leaders around them. God, I pray that today would be a breakthrough. And so God, if there are people in this room, I pray that you would just, by the power of your Holy Spirit, remind them that you are good and you are awesome. God, I pray that they would be able to invite people into those conversations with them. They would be able to pray with, with one of the people that we're gonna have in the front here in a minute and they would be able to walk with them. God, I pray for people who are in here who are feeling tired because they feel like they're a bad leader and they feel like they're having to take the weight of the world upon their shoulders. God, I pray that they would be reminded today that in Christ, he has finished the work and he's done everything necessary for them. God, I pray that we would be people who live in light of what Jesus has done and that we would be able to go out into all the world and share of this Savior. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.